right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your home for daily Florida Gators coverage. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host, Brandon Carroll. You can find him at It's the Carroll. Brandon, say what's up to the people. What's going on, everybody? Glad to be back once again for uh, another edition, and I'm excited for today's slate of uh, topics. Yeah, we're getting you ready. It's uh You'll be listening to this on Friday, getting ready for Florida's return to action for the first time in a couple weeks. They take on Missouri at 7.30 p.m. on Saturday night in the swamp in front of what will be a limited crowd once again due to COVID-19 concerns and certainly won't be 90,000 strong like Dan Mullen wanted, oh, just what, two, three weeks ago, what feels like two or three years ago. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Um, it, It, you know. And it, obviously, as ironic as it is, it is a uh, still going to have to be that, um, what, 17,000, is it? Or is it? It's That's right around with the capacity, yes. Gotcha. I mean, last time they had 15,000 people in there. Yeah, so, you know, it, it's going to have to stay there for just a little bit. But, hey, at least some fans are in the stands, am I right? Yeah, nice and socially distanced, and it should be a good environment. I can't wait to be back there for some football. But we're going to be talking about some recruiting today. Uh, we've had two commitments in the past week from Jeremiah Williams in 2021 and Sam McCall in 2022. We're going to talk about both, what's to come of both of those classes and what momentum can come from these moves. Then we're going to leave you guys with our predictions for the game and what we expect of it going both ways, Florida and Missouri. We'll start off with Jeremiah Scooby Williams, the pass rusher that committed from Ramsey in Birmingham, Alabama, earlier in the week. Brandon, we talked about him a little bit earlier in the week, but, you know, we we do love what he brings to the table as a buck rusher. Uh, he's someone that might take some time to develop, and since they've got guys at that position, they certainly can afford to take some time to develop him. Uh, but once he is ready to go, he can be someone that truly wreaks havoc for Florida off of the edge as a weak side edge rusher and just, you know, consistently disrupts quarterbacks. You got to love what they're adding to what's a really strong defensive class with that premier edge rusher. Absolutely. And this is a guy that not only has the toolbox to be able to be an elite pass rusher in the SEC um, at at that uh, buck position, but his motor is so high, and I think that's something that we kind of take for granted in today's game. You know, he just shows his love of the game by how he plays. He leaves it all on the field, and uh, this is a guy that the Gators are definitely going to use um, in a number of ways, not only as an edge rusher, but also as a linebacker, as he was primarily recruited by Christian Robinson, the Gators linebackers coach. So that versatility brings another piece to that Gators defense that allows him Uh, and that unit to kind of give some different looks schematically and, you know, kind of throw off some opposing offenses with the number of ways that they can show him, um, whether that be off the edge or dropping him back into coverage that, you know, he can hold his own with. Now, Scooby, he's got Florida adding to what is already a pretty packed class for the class of 21. And yet, you know, they still have needs across the board. He brings them up to 25 right now, including, you know, transfers, uh, Juco. But I I don't know exactly how many spots they've got left. I don't, I know it's just a few and they're, you'd always expect some guys, maybe one or two won't get in or 
someone decommits last second. There's going to be shuffling, as there is every year. But they've still got some targets that they really want to get when it comes down to it. Uh, Xavier Sori, the IMG linebacker, is someone that they really want. His good buddy, Terry and uh, Arnold, the safety athlete out of John Paul Catholic II in Tallahassee. Yusuf Mugerbild, uh, Murphy offensive lineman in North Carolina. Uh, they're, they're looking to really solidify the defense. Uh, they seem to want someone at every position across the board in what looks like a really dominant class. And they could certainly use the offensive lineman. Uh, I think they still need a left tackle pretty badly. Bill definitely profiles more as a guard, although he plays left tackle for Murphy. Um, but Brandon, with some of these targets, as well as any others you can think of, how do you think they can finish out this class strong? Well, obviously, I think getting the duo of Xavier Sori uh, and uh, Terry and Arnold is going to be crucial for, you know, uh, getting two guys that are some of the most talented in this class in general. And um, not only <laughs> to get them, but to take them away from a school like Georgia, who just has consistently held um, those recruiting uh, a, a recruiting stronghold um, over Florida for the past few years. I mean, uh, Sori is a guy that profiles as a uh, solid and really SEC ready uh, as of right now um, inside linebacker, a, a position that the defense is currently missing. And then for Arnold, we're seeing you know a guy that can play single high coverage. Um, he's lengthy. He can. Uh, he he's quick and he could really be a lockdown guy in that back end for Florida that's missing it uh, as we speak right now. Yeah, without a doubt. They've been trying to load up at safety, and they've done so. They've added three guys that could play safety, one of them in uh, Dakota Mitchell being more of a star candidate. But Donovan McNillan can play box safety and drop back occasionally. Corey Collier is a, a lengthy, rangy guy. Arnold, you know, he he would be the best of the bunch. Uh, I think he, he's someone – He's someone that, as they look to really rebuild this room because they've needed to oh so badly, for as much talent as they're adding there, he could be the guy that's easily the most talented one of the group. That's for sure. Um, and I think, you know, with that, uh, we could see Florida kind of take that next step with the group um, and already uber talented. Like, even if they don't get Terry and Arnold, um, they are still going to be set at the position. But just adding a guy of that caliber in general – really completes an already solid class. And I said in my article the other day, this takes a good, maybe even great class if they can land Xavier Sori and Terry Arnold and makes it an elite class. And that's something that Florida has been looking for on the trail since Dan Mullen arrived in 2018. Mm-hmm. Now, Mugerbill, like I said, I think he's more of a guard when it's all said and done. What do you? I mean, what do you think about his game if he is to end up committing to Florida? He's someone that they've been pushing for with Tim Brewster for some time. He's definitely his most attractive offer is Florida, so it could be easy to forecast uh, him to Florida at this point, given that unless another team popped up. Uh, but what do you think of his game? And if they were to miss out on a left tackle in this class, because there aren't many options left, what do you do in twenty twenty two? Do you double up there? Because it's been a while since they landed a true guy there. Well, yeah, uh, Mooger, Mooger Bill. Sorry, I, I've had a I've had a difficult time pronouncing his name, but I'm trying to get it there. Um, but for all I know, guy, I, for all I know, I could be getting it wrong. So. Yeah, um, Yusuf. We'll go with that for now. Um, Yusuf is a guy that uh, he kind of mixes length with uh, interior guard uh, kind of skill set. He's a uh, powerful run blocker. He that's what he does at. His high school, they're a very run-heavy scheme. 
Um, he can get to the second level. He can uh, find linebackers and he can open up holes for a Gators run game that really is coming off of, you know, last year that they weren't very uh, efficient. And then this year just haven't utilized it as much as they maybe should. Um, and, you know, despite needing room to be able to progress as a pass uh, in pass protection, he's still someone that, you know, ranks as a viable candidate to be plugged in that uh, Gators offensive line when his time comes, if he does so uh, commit over a team like UNC, who's also looking for a guard prospect in this year's class. Florida's landed a couple of guys that, you know, they might play tackle right now, but they could play guard well, or they just do play guard straight up in their offensive line class for 2021. And much like Arnold, if he were to end up committing uh, to the safety unit, Mugerbill could end up being the best guard of the bunch yes. uh, if he comes in and commits to Florida. When we come back, we're going to be talking about 2022 recruiting. Sam McCall, what he brings to the table and where it could go from here in terms of defensive back. They've loaded up in 2021. They did it in 2020. Looks like they're off to a hot start in what could be another busy year at the secondary level of the defense in 2022. What's up, everyone? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Lockdown Gators podcast. And I'll tell you what. Being a sports journalist, doing what I do every day, I do need a lot of energy. I'm a guy that's always drank coffee, but recently it's just not been getting it done for me in order for me to break through my wall, which is why I've been going towards Built Go as a replacement for any other energy drink because it's a lot more healthy. It's brought to you by the same folks that brought us Built Bar, my favorite protein bar that we've talked about plenty here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's great because not only does Built Go bring you energy, but it also gives you protein. It's also loaded with vitamins uh, such as B6 and B12, 10,000% of your daily value, and other great things, including collagen protein that's fast-absorbing to get into your system fast. Plus, it's easy on your stomach when you've got a long day ahead, filled with work, where you really need this energy. It comes in three great flavors, my favorite being the peanut butter honey. It's got a kick of caffeine, and it's only 1.5 ounces in each package. So it's easy to carry around, easy to take with you whenever you need it. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Let's break through those walls. Do you guys ever feel as though you're always on? Don't you want just a moment to relax and chill? It's been difficult this year, especially with everything going on, social issues, and the expectations to be on 24-7 with families and friends. Sometimes you need a breather, and especially with the Gators this season, it can be stressful. That's why Coors Light is the perfect cold one to open up. Saturdays are a time to chill, watching Florida football and relaxing with Coors Light that's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, literally made to chill. I personally love the refreshing taste and makes me chill out, relax a little bit, and enjoy the day. I know one thing, Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in a new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly with Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Sam McCall is certainly the highlight. I mean, obviously, there's two commits in the class in 2022. (laughs) Him and and Sevion Ellis are the two commits for Florida. Uh, he's a five-star, uh, consensus five-star defensive back out of Lake Gibson, that being McCall. Huge addition, 
huge way to build momentum early on because the class hasn't even really started. It starts, I guess, right after February 5th or right after February whenever National Signing Day is. Uh, at that point, they'll unless they've done it by then, maybe they'll land some commits for the class by then, some guys that commit early, but this is a good way to start building a really strong class, especially in the secondary. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, he is... Sam McCall is just a playmaker, and I think that's something that we take away um, the most from his game. He's someone that you can line up in a variety of different ways, similar to what I was saying uh, about Scooby Williams, who um, you know you can line him up in more than you know at more than one position. McCall goes even further than that and is able to be lined up uh, on both sides of the football. They can use him in packages offensively as well as defensively as he projects to play more of that defensive back role. Um, I do think, you know, somewhere else um, that, you know, they could look is for a rangy guy in that safety group as this progresses. Um, being Kamari Wilson, who I know you have had the pleasure of talking to before. So what do you think about Wilson and his, you know, the the necessity for Florida to target someone like him. Yeah, I think he's a tremendous athlete. I got to go watch him against Edgewater at IMG Academy earlier this year, and he is a he is truly a versatile defensive back. They they used him as a safety in the box. They used him a good bit off the ball. They used him as a star nickel cornerback, and he's a guy that's just super fluid in coverage. He understands where he needs to be. He's instinctual. He comes. He's He's physical when he's approaching the ball. Uh, he'll come and lay, he'll lay a hit on you to break up a pass, or he'll come and just break underneath you to break up a pass. One way or another, he's going to get his hands on the ball and influence the play while the ball is in the air. He's someone that probably will take a little while to end up committing. I mean, that's at least what he made it seem like to me when I got to speak with him. At the same time, you know, he saw Sam McCall's commitment. He saw the edit where they're looking at a ton of DBs within the class of 2022. Uh, and he pulled that one back up right after he saw the commitment. So that could be a little bit of, a, like I said, for Florida, momentum in the class of 2022. Absolutely. And I think that momentum brings them uh, to a point where we're looking at a defensive back group that could also, uh, on top of Sam McCall, add a Jacksonville native in Jaheim Singletary. 904! Yes, sir. You know, uh, Zach and I's hometown we're repping Duval. But anyways, uh, this is just a kid that brings – he brings length. Uh, he, he brings an instinctual uh, ability to play the football while it's in the air. And he's so fast. His long strides allow him to do so many things and making up ground when he does get beat. Um, and I watched his uh, film just a few minutes ago as a refresher – for this show and I thought uh, there was a few plays where I was watching him and I was just kind of blown away by what this kid is able to do and allowing a guy into the class like this brings not only one not two possibly three studs at the position for this 2022 class in McCall Wilson and Singletary if they all decide to come to the University of Florida um, when it's all said and done. It seems like a pipe dream, kind of like Palmetto 5 was a pipe dream, and it didn't entirely come to fruition. But Kamari has that ended up, and I think there's like seven guys in the class of 22. Brandon, if you could look for it, it might have the names on it. It might not. If, if so, no big deal. But 
they are looking for a lot of guys, and at least landing Singletary, McCall, and Wilson would be huge. Singletary is a guy on uh, January 1st is when he plans on committing. He currently has a top eight that does include the Florida Gators, uh, as well as Georgia, LSU, Clemson, Auburn, Tennessee, Miami, and Oklahoma. Uh, another nine of, like we said, 904 guy. I'm a big 904 guy myself, like Brandon. So, you know, I'm not a fan of the Gators, but I always root for 904 guys to end up here so I can cover them. So I would love to see Singletary end up here as well. He reminds me of a former Duval guy. Uh, I made this. I made a comparison for Sam McCall today, and our and lead analyst John Garcia. He told me he was like, "Whoa, you know, I I hope to see, you know, just the ceiling that you're talking about here—a lengthy, athletic ball hawk for Sam McCall." As my comparison was Antonio Camardi. Now these comparisons, you know, they're not. I'm not saying these guys are these former All Pro players at the NFL. I'm saying that if they reach their absolute highest potential, max, you know, comparing it. To you know their physical abilities, you know their makeup, their athleticism, all that. This that's how I compare it. There's so many factors that go into what I see, uh, and I see Cromartie with McCall. I can see the similar playing styles, and for Singletary, I can see another former Duval guy in Jalen Ramsey. You talk about a lengthy dude with, like you said, his long strides and speed for someone as long as he is. It's just you don't see it very often cornerback position and how physical they can be at all three levels of the playing field it's just it's not something you come across very often it's it's what makes an elite cornerback in today's day and age someone that's fast and physical can press and guard you deep that's what Singletary is all about that's what McCall's all about it's certainly what Torrey and Gray likes at cornerback as well definitely and you know like like we said obviously they're all ranking atop the class for their respective, you know, safety corner positions to this point. And as we continue throughout the process, it's never going to hurt to land guys with the skill sets that they, you know, they, they bolster. And just the fact that um, we're seeing some of these dudes have the, be in the position to, you know, commit to Florida, I think is going to be, kind of a swing of things for this recruitment, you know, recruiting at Florida, because we have seen in the past how Florida is in it to till the end, but yet they falter when it comes time for those players to make their big decision. Starting the year off with Sam McCall, that could lead to some of these guys being like, oh, I realize that he is a talented playmaker. Why not I go there, get to play alongside this guy, and we can make each other look better you know what i mean it's that it's kind of that competition that could elevate their games to the next level if they do uh decide to join forces in florida yeah without a doubt man uh i'm looking forward to seeing if they can end up putting together that class because like you and i were talking about before even with how many guys they've added in 2019 and 2020 and what they're looking to do in 2021 in the secondary, and they still want to keep doing this in the class of 2022, it's a logjam. There will be yeah. guys that probably end up leaving when it's all said and done via the transfer portal because they're not satisfied with their minutes. And that'll be fine when you've got Jason Marshall in one class and Sam McCall. And then, you know, if these things come true, if Jaheim Singletary ends up in the class and you've got two consensus five stars following a consensus five star, 
Florida's back at DB. Like, you're really talking Florida's in the DBU conversation at that point if those guys can end up succeeding as they're projected to. Yeah, definitely. And um, I'm, I'm flipping to the offensive side just for a second. Uh, you mentioned in the last segment how Florida has not land a tackle um, in quite some time, and it looks as if they might not even do so in this 2021 class. And you asked me, do you think it's a good idea to double up uh, in this 2022 class? And I think the answer to that is yes. Um, I think specifically you kind of go all out for a guy in Tyler Booker um, who uh, currently attends IMG Academy, uh, stands 6'4", 290, and has Florida as one of his uh, current um, top schools. Uh, although it's not mentioned, that they kind of seem to be trending for um, his services, but then he definitely there, does. He definitely does like Florida. He visited for Junior Day. I got to talk to him. Uh, he likes Florida a lot. He's a guy playing right tackle for him right now because they've got JC Latham over on the other side. Yeah, he can. Uh, but, dude's a player. Yeah, uh, he he can switch to that uh, left tackle position though. Yeah, um, right, I feel yeah. like he is a he is a swing guy. He can adapt to playing there. But outside of that, I'm not you know 100 percent sold. Um, where else they would look. I, I don't know if you have any ideas for this 2022 class, but ultimately it's never going to hurt to get guys in the trenches um, in abundance. Yep, without a doubt. And they're definitely going to need to do it because I can't think of the last time they got a true left tackle. It might have been Richard Garage because he was considered a tackle. He's played more guard here. So if we're, if we're going by that, it's probably Martez Ivy. Really, a while ago didn't work out as well as everyone hoped it would, but that's a whole nother story. And we're going to be talking about a whole nother story here, and it's going to be Florida versus Missouri. Our predictions and our takes right after these messages. All right, Brandon. It is Thursday night. The current spread for Florida, Missouri is 12.5 over under 61.5. Earlier in the week, I was on the In All Kinds of Weather podcast. I predicted 41 to 30 and I keep going back and forth on if I think it'll actually end up being that high scoring of a fair. I could see, I know you're concerned. You don't want Florida to start slow. I could see them starting slow and for their standards, starting slow, meaning they don't score on their first drive. Maybe their second. If it's a real slow start, I don't know about all that, but a slow start for them is literally not scoring on their first drive. I feel like that is a little bit more realistic after a couple weeks off. Yeah. You know, this season, Florida's offense has been lights out, and I don't think anyone can argue with you there. Uh, In my opinion, Florida starting slow is kicking a field goal on their first drive because (laughs) of how efficient they have been in scoring the football this season. So, you know, it, it could ultimately, that field goal on the first drive is something that, it shouldn't happen. Um, they should get in the end zone because of the unit that they have. Um, but it could because of the you know break that they've had to endure due to the coronavirus outbreak. Um, ultimately, I think this is not a great first matchup for Florida to come back off of given the struggles that their defense has had to this point in the year. Because uh, if I've said it once, I've said it multiple times, Missouri does everything that Florida, you know, does everything offensively that Florida's had a hard time with this year, which could ultimately result in another dogfight of sorts to pull out a win against a team that really has no business playing with a team the caliber uh, of Florida. Yeah, absolutely. And that's 
that is the thing. Even if it is a field goal, though, because teams like Missouri can come out and do what Florida struggles with defensively, and it's controlling the clock, eliminating so much time, like we saw that one drive that stands out so much against Kentucky, that's what could literally prevent this game from being from going over uh, the over-under of 61.5. Like, I predicted it to go 10 points over. Then again, here I am thinking maybe it won't clear it whatsoever just because just depending on how they start could literally make or break the outcome of the game in that sense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, You know, ultimately, Florida can't allow Missouri, whether they score or not, to go on a 21-play, 9-minute and 35-second drive because that's 9 minutes and 35 seconds that the offense doesn't have to go to work. Um, And that's something they struggle with. They've struggled uh, with to this point all season long. And it's not a good look for a defense that's coming off a year in which they ranked seventh in the NCAA. Seventh. Top ten. Now they're down at that 93rd ranking. And it doesn't uh, it doesn't look good. I mean, to this point in the year, I think they averaged 27 uh, minutes, almost 27 and a half minutes um, of of possession time per game, that's not going to get it done against the teams like Georgia and Alabama if it does come to that point. Um, But, you know, this week, I think Florida just has to kind of settle themselves down and play their game and get off the field for the, for, you know, as the focal point of this matchup between the two, uh, between the two universities, because if they allow Missouri to control that uh, time of possession battle, we could find a lower scoring game that Missouri is more inclined to win because of, you know, if Florida can't score points, who's to say that the Gators defense isn't going to allow Missouri to go on these 10 play or 10 minute drives um, and punch the ball in. Unlike they did against Kentucky last week. With that being said, if it could be a lower scoring affair, I, I, you know, I do think I'm going to change my prediction from what it was earlier in the week. What do you think, as of right now, the outcome of this game will be? If I had to pick an outcome, um, I would say that Florida ultimately comes out on top. Uh, I'm going to have to say that they do not cover, but I do think they do uh, ultimately win by two scores. I think it's going to be about a 10-point game, and I'm going to have to go 38-28 to 28, um, just because I think Missouri is able to control the clock a little bit. Um, you know, not to – I, I – ho- I, think it's not going to be to the point of, you know, a 43 to 16 minute um, balance. But I do ultimately uh, think that Florida is able to pull it out in the end, uh, maybe with a, you know, a a game ceiling field goal of sorts, um, as they have tended uh, to start to slow down in the second half offensively when they get up, um, you know, gain a rather comfortable lead. So ultimately 38, 28, Florida wins, but they do not cover the 12.5-point spread. Yeah, I definitely don't think Florida's going to cover the spread, much like last time. I wasn't thinking so on a 13.5-point spread. I'm thinking I'm going to change it to 35-27. Somewhat closer one, maybe closer to the end, because, as you said, Florida should start off and get a comfortable lead. But as the second half goes on, that rushing attack, we're worried about getting stronger as the game goes on, even with Kyrie Campbell back. He'll be good. It'll be an improvement. But will they all gel together by that point, considering the struggles? I'm just not so sure. Florida should win. They will go over. Uh, 
but Missouri will cover, and that'll 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 be that. Yeah. Can I say something real quick? Sure. Um, I think Florida's biggest uh, kind of focal point for this game is finding the rushing attack in terms of play calling when they do ultimately get up early because I do think they find themselves with at least a two possessions lead at before the half. Um, I, I think controlling uh, that run game and allowing themselves to kind of build um, a balanced attack between um, that rushing and passing game is going to be something crucial for the Gators to pull this one out um, and not really have to stress in the second half on if it's going to be uh, a game in which they could ultimately lose late like they did um, against the 21st-ranked Texas A&M the last time we saw them on the field. Um, but the thing defensively, obviously you mentioned how Kyrie Campbell is coming back into the fold. My only concern is not will they gel well, um, but how will he stay, you know, what is his usage going to look like when we get into those third and fourth quarters, quarters when a guy that hasn't been on the field and for game time situations uh, how is he going to fare in terms of conditioning? And that I think that's where the biggest uh, question of them all reign is Florida. Is he going to get gassed in the, you know, in the second half and kind of have to get pulled out and Missouri take advantage of that with that uh, aforementioned in recent episodes, dynamic duo of sorts from Roundtree and Batty. Yeah, you'd, you'd have to hope that Florida's depth will be somewhat rebuilt with his addition to where maybe T.J. Slayton, even if, he's, if he is playing through the game, is a lot more fresh come third and fourth quarter than he certainly has been in the first three games. So something we'll definitely have to watch out for. As for the run game, I think you nailed it. it Missouri's going to come out, and predictably they're going to try and control the clock. Is what they do. The best way Florida can combat that in the second half with the lead is giving them a taste of their own medicine and controlling it. You have a balanced rushing attack. You've got multiple guys that can run the ball, especially if Emory Jones is healthy and is returned by this point because it'll be, what, four or five weeks without him? You'd figure he'll probably be back into the fold now, if not soon. You got him, you got Damian Pierce, you got Malik Davis, and you've got Naquan Bright. Maybe Lorenzo Lingard if he's ready. You've got ways to run the ball, control that clock, and don't let Missouri make this a closer game than it should be. It really doesn't need to end up looking like that. However, for now, that is what I think will end up happening. And that'll just about do it for today's episode of Lockdown Gators. If you haven't already, make sure to go and subscribe anywhere you can listen to a podcast. You can listen to Lockdown Gators. Follow myself at Zach underscore Goodall. Follow Brandon at It's B. Carroll. Most importantly, follow at Locked On Gators, and you'll never miss an episode. We'll catch you guys next time.